You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. With your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, traders and investors. Welcome to Monday's October 14th edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. I'm your co-host, Joel L. Conan, along with Dennis Dick today, Chris Dear Scalise working the boards. We got a lot to talk about today, even though it is a bank holiday, Columbus Day. Uh, more talks before the deal has the S&Ps well off their highs from Friday and highs of the pre-market session. Uh, PCG blackout, uh, residents are getting a little fed up with that. One year of pot being legal in Canada. We'll talk about that with Alan Brockstein of the 420 Investor Letter. He'll be our guest at 835. Tuesday, tomorrow, we get things going in the morning with major earnings reports coming from the banks as well as J&J and UNH. Uh, people are bailing on Libra. That happened last week. More people are bailing today on the Facebook partnership. ADT and Lyft uh, are getting together to work on things. Uh, let's talk about who sponsors the show, and that's Webull. Webull and the We Trader Competition. Join traders from around the world in a paper trading competition that's great for you and someone else. The competition contest consists of four weekly competitions, October 7th through November 9th, with weekly prizes of nearly 11K worth of Amazon gift cards and a grand prize in the best overall portfolio of either a brand new Tesla or 40000 paying off your student loans. Plus, Webull will donate a portion of the total return to the Shriners Hospital for Children. To learn more, go to the Webull mobile app and click on the link. So let's bring in Triple D. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, I should be taking the day off today. It is Thanksgiving in Canada. Wishing happy Thanksgiving to all our Canadian listeners out there. I'm one that is working on Thanksgiving here, Joel. So I guess I got I can't take any of the Thanksgivings off because I got to work the Canadian markets on U.S. Thanksgiving and the U.S. markets on Canadian Thanksgiving. No, my grandma used to always say, "No rest for the wicked." So I guess right. I'm wicked. All right. Well, we got a we got a lot to talk about. Mr. Spencer is out today. So where would you like to start? 
Uh, well, let's just recap the weekend here because, once again, congratulations, Joel. Uh, I was there, Dana. Beautiful wedding. Uh, great ceremony. You know, it was a beautiful day, and, and obviously with the water in the backdrop. and It was cold, but I tell you, those pictures are going to look beautiful because uh, that was a beautiful setting for a wedding. Yep, thank you. Thanks for uh, participating in, in the wedding. It was great. Had uh, a lot of fun, a lot of great people, a lot of relatives, a lot of food, and uh, still, it's still going on. The celebration is still continuing. Still going? Well, we that got, party's still going. Yeah, we brunch yesterday. You guys party. People at my house, no, it's uh, a special celebration. I'm, a little, I'm looking forward to just winding down and just getting back to the markets and today's a little bit slower day with columbus day uh so the banks are closed big earnings tomorrow yeah i guess we got to talk china i guess we got to talk china to kick so we have more headlines here this morning obviously there's a headline every single day from china what's the headline here this morning they want to talk more they want to talk more more. talk yes let's deal more talk yes Yes. So, so a deal is not imminent here. And that's why we sold off a little bit here this morning. Although we're coming back. We are coming back. We're all, I didn't even, you know, I didn't, yeah, I didn't recap the S and P's. What oh, have we done I, overnight here? I don't even, I feel like I'm a little clueless here. Joel. Come on. Okay. okay. We listen to pre-market preps to get the overnight action. What happened overnight? Uh, down six handles. Uh, 29.82.50 is your pre-market high. Uh, we're just read by a little bit. I tell you that Friday's high, that area, we're going to keep an eye on that for a long time. We got it up to 29.94, and go look at your dailies. Chris, could you bring up the SPY daily there, S-P-Y for Dennis, for people that don't follow the futures? And let me get the exact number. The SPY has gone up to this area. Dennis, what does it equate to here? Because look at all those pesky little highs that we got to that area. Friday's high in the SPY was 298.74. Look at that high at 98.46, 98.11. Yeah, there's 98. There you go. It's called 298. Uh, that's your big level in the SPY. Uh, bottom of the range, you know, five, six, seven, eight days ago at 284. Top of the range here. So that's the line in the sand for me. Let's call it 298 Spider. Uh, 28, 29.95 basis, the S&Ps. Uh, yesterday's low, Friday's low, we're quite a ways from that. We were in a 29, 29.41.75 uh, from the close on Thursday. You had that quick open. So 20 points away from Friday's low. Crude is in the red by a buck 23, 53.48. At just whatever the news is, it just, just can't rally. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, gold battling with 1500 up 970 at 1498.40. Silver in the green by 0.8.6 cents at 17.63. And Bitcoin down $60 at 82.95. So kind of doing things in reverse order here. But, All right. But- well, that gold chart, though, I just want to go to that one for a second here because you have been on support. I'm just looking at the GLD. You've okay. had this 140 area that has been critical. We kind of took that out on Friday, but then we did close back above at 140.03. It is trading up here a little bit this morning. If gold ever loses the low of the move, which is 137.80, it could be in trouble here again. I mean, gold has had a pretty good run, obviously. Market worries um, about you know China deal and other worries there have propelled gold here for the last year. But if we ever do get a China deal, maybe this gold bugs uh, start to get hit. And it does sound, you know, I'm just reading the tea leaves here. And I've said, you know, before, I don't think there's going to be a deal. But I don't know. 
I'm starting to change my mind because there's been so much talks and they're coming from China and say, well, we want a little bit more talks. It sounds like they might be cooking up some type of a deal here. So whether it's in stages or not, we don't know. But I think that does set the stage for a continued S&P rally here. So um, it's been shop on the S&Ps, but if you think the S&Ps are going to rally, it probably means that gold could sell off because usually there is some type of inverse correlation there. Uh, interesting level you point out there, and we'll go basis the GLD here for the gold. Uh, you're, you're low from last month, uh, September, 138.03, and then you went to 137.80 uh, this month, just a few days ago. Actually, I believe that was, was that on Friday? No, that was on October 1st. So you got two monthly, right now it's the monthly low. So if you're looking at a swing trade, you see the big rally in gold. You got the pullback, a little bit of consolidation. There's the area of gold. I agree with you. I'd give it to that 138 area. See if you can hold that first. Yeah, we lose that and we're in trouble. Silver is the same chart here. I do have SLV in my long-term portfolio. Um, if we lose, yeah. let's say the yeah. low of the move, 1583, would be in trouble too. But we had such a wicked run. It almost felt like upside capitulation at the beginning of September there when silver went from 16 to 18 bucks in a week. I mean, it typically does not do that. So I, I, feel, like, I feel like it topped out. But anyways, I've got silver in there, a little bit of diversification in the long-term portfolio. It hasn't really been a good investment. I mean, I bought it probably five years ago, around $18, I believe I paid. Thought I was getting it on the cheap, and it's been down. I mean, we look at this, and it's been down below $20 for five years. So it has not really been a good investment. It's kind of been meandering there. Yes, it's had a good, invest a good run in the last year. But really, when you look at it here, gold, same thing. I mean, GLD for the last seven, eight years has really gone nowhere. We were $140 back in 2013. We were $170 actually at the beginning of or at the end of 2012. So no it's been tough. I mean, gold has been a tough investment for a long time. You think about gold being $1,000 back in 1980. So really, when you adjust for inflation in there, you're not keeping up with the GLD. All right, let's uh, let's talk pot. It's been one year since it's legal. We'll just do a little bit on pot here. We don't touch too much on pot though, so because we got Alan Brockstein come on 8:35. So may, should we just save all the pot? Because a lot more stocks. What I kind of like to save all my pot for Alan Brockstein. Uh, even even your joke? Yeah, I'm saving the joke for Alan for sure. I got a pot stock joke, so it's going to be a good one. My friend Lily gave me this pot stock joke. We're going to save it for Alan Brockstein at 835. Okay. All right. Uh, how about uh, big banks uh, being focused tomorrow yep. morning? Can yep. they keep their cost in line in this extremely uh, low interest rate environment? Uh, Listen to this run of, of bank earnings we've got coming. So this is the calm before the storm. No real earnings here today. Tomorrow, from the banks, we're going to get J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Wells Fargo, Citigroup. We're going to get BlackRock and Schwab will be interesting too. Wednesday, they're obviously not a bank, but it'll be interesting to see here from the retail broker that started this brokerage war with zero commissions. Wednesday, we're going to get Bank America. Uh, Thursday, we're going to get Morgan Stanley. So all the big guns are going to report here in the next five, three days. But tomorrow's, you know, also getting Johnson & Johnson, UNH, UAL, BlackRock. I mean, we got some earnings coming. Wednesday's Netflix. This kickstart and earnings season. We got some catalysts here now, Joel. It's been quiet. We're getting some earnings coming. Yeah, some fundamentals. Uh, Dion is asking what happened to the new show intro. It was a little buggy, so we got we got Mac working on it, and we're gonna we're gonna it. bring it back. I know I missed the new show intro too, with all those pictures and stuff. That was good. Seeing the D. Yeah, nice nice shots in the D. We even had Raz in there, I believe. Uh, Raz is in there too. Yes, he. Uh, yep, we got him at the end, but we will get. I'll, I'll talk to Mac today. I got a, I got a list of things to do today, and. 
I hope I get some of them done. All right. So, you know, should we look at some of the bank charts here? And yeah, let's look at a couple of them. I mean, we're previewing what's going to happen here, obviously, tomorrow. And you can tell, you know, sometimes looking at the charts is helpful, even if you don't know the fundamentals of the earnings coming in, because if they're weak going in, I'm not, I'm not even looking at any charts. If you're weak going in, that means expectations are lower. You're strong going in, expectations are higher. But let's start with, uh, let's start with Goldman. I mean, GS. And this is going to be a tough go because this is kind of in the middle of nowhere. I mean, this isn't really weak. This isn't really strong. I had a pretty good couple of days, but we've been range bound here in GS for the better part of the last three months. Look at 210. Look at the daily, the daily chart in your uh, on your Goldman Sachs. Just going to keep it simple. Not going to look at any of this pre-market stuff. And uh, what jumps out to you? 210 there. Just call it that. Several highs in that area. So I am not bullish. That might even be halfway back of this uh, vicious break we've had from 221.50. Oh, and look at this support down at 193.99, caught 194. I don't even know if I can do that. I, I don't have the brains to do the air math today, but that 50% retracement might be in that area, keeping an eye on 210. JP Morgan, did that sneak up and make a new all-time high? It did, Joel. Wow. And it's been best of breed. So it snuck up there, made a new all-time high, tried three, four times to try to get back up to make a new all-time high, and then sold off significantly with overall market sell-off. But as the market comes back, J.P. Morgan's been coming back as well. Remember, TLT always affects the banks. And as the TLT has been weak the last three days, we've seen the banks have a significant rally. So you know, without earnings, the TLT is the driver for the banks. And the TLT goes down, the banks go up. The TLT goes up, the banks go down. This morning, you were seeing the TLT trade significantly higher, and that is why the banks are trading down here this morning. They're trading with the overall market, but if you look, they're trading down more than the overall market. I mean, Citigroup and Bank America, both down half a percent. SPY is only down 0.14%. So if you're wanting to about the relative weakness, it is indeed the rally in the TLT. Uh, so what stepped off 120? You made that all-time high in JP Morgan at 120.40. You posted an all-time closing high at 120.23, a little over a month ago. But someone stepped down. They're targeting this 118, 119 area. I'll call it 119. Three consecutive highs from 118.64 to 119. Can you see the book that far, Dennis, or is that too far out? Where are you looking? Which stock? JP Morgan, nine, 119. I'll go look. Yeah. JV Spec might beat me to it. He's pretty fast, but I'm going to look at my book. I even have it open for you here. Okay. 120, 33,000 shares, 119, 47,000 shares. That's not nothing. That is significant. $119 stock. It's not something that can't be taken out, but I'd say you got a little bit of resistance up at 119, 120. At least not today. Not today. Not today. Yeah, because it's a little ways away here. It's going to yep. take a run to get yep. back up there. And obviously, they're trading in the red here with the TLT being higher. But if you go into an earnings you know, trade, sometimes these spots in the buck where the significant size can be reversal points. So, you know, JP Morgan gets a big pop on earnings and he kicks up to 119, maybe even 120. Maybe that's the point in time where you say, okay, I'm going to take a little bit of profit off the table or maybe even initiate a short. These banks are notorious for beating rallying and then giving it back i don't know if it's been like the last two or three quarters it's kind of been the trade now maybe you know it's too obvious to everybody now because it's been happening it seems like every quarter so maybe this is going to be like the gap and go quarter for the banks but i'm just saying history tends to repeat itself we've seen this happen a lot the banks beat the algos buy it up and then they start to leak and by the end of the you know morning session usually they're already red so keep that in mind if you're trading these banks 
And that, this is a little closer. Major resistance at, uh, I'm not just going to call it 29.50. It snuck to 29.71 on the 27th, 29.34 on Friday. So the other highs at 29.50. So if you get anywhere near that uh, today, I expect that to be major resistance. Support's tough because, I mean, you traded in a lower 27 handle and boom, you popped up. I just used Friday's low, 28.86. Are we trading below that? Yeah. Trading below that. So I look at the market 2891, the close as resistance. Real quick, Wells Fargo. Man, these, stock, these charts all look the same, but uh, uh, the banks, they all move together. Uh, I pair trade them all together. I'm probably one of those people that keeps those charts looking the same because I pair those things up all the time. Uh, double for this one, fifth, let's call it uh, 51. I see 5141 high, but uh, couple highs just under that that uh, just under 51 Wells Fargo what about Citigroup Citigroup had a good day now that looks this one might be interesting if it gets going to the downside because you had all this resistance here at 70 and a half and you took it out you got everyone in the water breaking out go to 70 93 on Friday and then you close near the low at 70.10. So I'll keep a, clo a real close eye on uh, that closing price from Friday, 70.10, trading in the red here. So there are some significant institutional sellers here. So 71, and we are at 8.17 in the morning here. So these are probably GTC orders that, orders that have been on the book for a while. But I see 90,000 shares at 71, another 54,000 shares at 71.5. Another 25,000 shares at 71.88, and then 100,000 shares up at 72. So, and then 73, if you want to go that far, is another 75,000 shares there too. But if those are going to be on the buck for earnings and tomorrow, that's going to be a resistance point again for that. You know, and that can be one of those catalysts. Maybe it pops up to 72 quickly. Maybe it doesn't have the, you know, the gusto to get through it. And then it comes back down, maybe opens below that 71 because there's so much significant uh, sellers in the NYSE buck. And that liquidity obviously won't be active until 9.30. I don't think you're going to have a run up to take those out today, but you know, funny things happen, but we're already obviously trading in the red. So it's going to take quite the market reversal here for us to go challenge those numbers today. But on earnings, you can see three, 4% pops. And sometimes those are selling opportunities. All right. Uh, quickly here. Oh, JB spec talking a big offer from bank America too. What's that? 500 K at 31. What do you say? I'm going to look at what's JB specs looking at too here. Yeah. Bank America reports on Wednesday. So, you know, we're going to be a day later here for Bank America. But what do you think of the chart on that one? Uh, the 29.50. I did that. I did the 29.50 area. I don't yeah. – I, I see that uh, you had some highs at the $31 area in July. That's where the big order is. But uh, for me, it's going to have to get through 29.5 first in order to uh, – in the challenge. And as you get to 29.90, so this would be a numbers for Wednesday, 29.90. I mean, this buck can sometimes predict the technicals too because it takes a lot of money to push it through these prices. That's why we like looking at the buck. J.B. Speck like looks on it from the chat likes looking at it too. Twenty nine ninety, a hundred thousand shares, thirty dollars, another four hundred and seventy thousand shares. And just in front of that, twenty nine ninety nine is thirty five thousand shares. So you say you're gonna take up five hundred thousand shares of thirty bucks. So and then you got a hundred thousand before that. So you got really you know over six hundred thousand shares just from those couple of levels, not including anything in between there. Um, so it's gonna take some money to push this thing through thirty. Yeah, a lot of money. A big I report, like a really nice beat, or some significant buying pressure. But, you know, they can do it. But it's always nice to look at that and say, well, that kind of wishy-washy. And they're buying up to 30. I don't think they got the gusto to get it through there. And maybe I'm going to sell it at that point. So a lot of times you see these levels 
from the book coming to play on an earnings day. Yeah, you want to talk about it all, like the high frequency trading strategies around those. I mean, there's so much, you know, and I've, you know, I'm the one that coined this, um, you know, what I, I like to call, and this is during the day, but I, I call it the HFT tractor beam. And when a stock gets close enough to a, a major point where you've got a huge seller, it actually is like, you know, and it's a Star Wars reference, which is why I made that up in years ago. So if you heard HFT tractor beam, it came from me about a decade ago. And what happens is, um, you can Google HFT tractor beam too. I wrote an article on CFA Institute even on it. But you know the mechanics behind it are there's a lot of short-term traders that are leaning on that $30 seller, for instance, in Bank of America. This would just be an example. So they throw out orders to sell it short. I can see even that you know other institutions that are saying, "Wow, somebody's wanting to sell 480,000. I'm going to sell my 35,000 shares a penny ahead of them at 29.99. It's like a penny jumping tactic." 2998 is another 13,000 shares. And then you get the, you know, the high frequency traders that are leaning on that. You get the short term traders leaning on that. Even, you know, some day traders leaning on that, meaning they're putting shorts in front of the 30, saying, worst case scenario, I'll cover the 30. Sometimes it goes quickly, though. So that what tends to happen as you see the stock trade up at 2998 or 2999 and 2995, the stock will tend to gravitate more and more closer to it. It can bounce there quickly in the pre-market, so that's okay. But if it gets there in the regular session, it gets up to like 2989, 2990, 2991, tends to suck it up all the way to 30 because those traders that are shorting the stock ahead of it are putting buy orders. They're trying to scalp. As you put more buy orders, it pushes pressure up on the book. And then all of a sudden, you know, that 30 goes. That's when the fireworks start. If the 30 goes in one print, you could catch all those short-term traders caught short, and you can see a wicked spike after that. If it goes slowly where they pack it out, then you can say, well, most of the day traders and the high-frequency traders have probably got covered. So there's nobody going to be caught in an initial short squeeze. So it matters on how quickly that 30 prints out. You won't read that in a textbook unless somebody stole it from me. But that's the way the mechanics work behind the high-frequency trading tractor beam. And uh, just another footnote to that. I mean, it depends. Like, the, just use an example of, uh, of Bank America today. And let's say we get a rip-roaring rally at the end of the day, and it's already moved like a buck and a quarter. That's what you would need to get it to $30 level today. You know, it's not really getting a running start. A lot of times when those big orders are taken out, let's say we have a good day today in, in uh, Bank America. You close 2970. You open up, there's good news overnight. TLT's down. Then you you open up 2975, 2980. Yeah, run and start. Get a run and start at it. Yeah. Right. It's part of the average daily range. So, you know, and sometimes the orders get pecked, you know, get worked on the day before. Uh, but it's really keeping knowing your average daily range in a stock. It kind of help you determine, you know, whether they're going to blow through that or, um, you know, whether it's going to take a day or two. And also, well, Dennis will do mathematically in his head is he'll look at the volume traded in the stock and see what because sometimes there's just such, vo- you know, volume. Yeah. Sweep out the book. That 500,000 could be meaningless. I mean, if Bank of America reports earnings on Wednesday morning has traded 10 million shares before the open. Well, they can easily chew through 500,000 shares because there's so many traders that have positions on it, maybe potentially higher prices. So what I like to look at, how much volume has traded above that? Because you have traders that are saying, I'll short a 30 and a half because I'm pretty sure I can cover it at 30. Well, if there's a million shares traded at 30 and a half, there's only 500,000 shares in the book at 30. That means those million, if there was all day traders saying you know, that same strategy that I think I can cover it at 30, there's not enough to get covered. And the stock is likely to open above 30. So I like to see how much volume trades 
above that big level in the book. If there's no volume trading above that big level, it makes me feel more confident that it's probably not going to open over that level. If it's trade a pile of shares above that level, that means that level is almost meaningless. So volume matters. Yeah, definitely. That's sort of like the time we pay most attention to the volume and also yep. stock has like a big day or a down day. Um, and I'll just Madden up the day trader shorts, basically trying yep. to, yeah, trying yep. to guess, guesstimate it. Um, I don't know if uh, if cousin Jimmy's listening here, but um, Fastenal had earnings. I don't know if you got uh, involved in that. We all. did cover it on Friday, and it wrong. and I yeah dead wrong, dead yeah. wrong. I thought it might you know open into resistance and fail. It opened into resistance right at that price and ripped. And so we get some right, we get some wrong. Obviously, this one we did not get right. And I didn't make a trade on it, but I thought it could hold, and it didn't. So you, like like any trade, you can put any trade on. You got to have your out. As soon as that thing starts taking out and open up, it opens at thirty four. Let's say thirty four dollars. I think it opened thirty four ten. So it's going thirty four twenty, thirty four thirty. You're like, okay, that resistance not holding, and this thing can continue to go. So you got to quickly scramble to get out. And you would have had to be real quick because this thing ripped in the first minute or two. So anybody playing that from a resistance trade got it handed to them because this thing ripped a buck and a half and that's always the risk on earnings i mean it's going to be you know less liquid so if you caught on the wrong side you can get burned pretty quickly uh you had uh 5.8 million trade on uh thursday 29 million on friday 29 like almost six times the average volume uh, for something like this i mean the high and the close right there near each other 36 34 36 58 so using that mark right now of 36.34, I told him just for the, you know, first of all, I'd, I'd be worried if it started to get in that gap area, 34.04, because a three-buck gap in this stock is huge. But, you know, a lot of times good earnings report, you get the gap a go and it keeps going. I think with the port, I said the best thing for that thing today will be just not to go down a lot. You know, if it can hold the low, maybe challenge the high, be down 30, 40 cents. But what you got to look for in something like this is when the volume really starts to come down. Because who's going to be a buyer here, right? If you're an institution, you want to own Fastenal, you've missed this move. I've wanted to own Fastenal for a long time, and I've definitely missed this move. Yeah. Uh, so so I'm one of those. I'm not an institution, though. I'm just a little guy. But I'd say I'd like it on pullbacks as well. Uh, just real quick, taking a look at the S&Ps. Quiet here on this uh, Columbus Day down 650 off the pre-market low. I got a number for the day here. I didn't get to drill down do my all my numbers, but you got your close on Friday at 2970 and you know what? Mid-range coming into the session is at 2968. So that close is going to be important today if you're looking to lighten up here on a, on a rally. We'll see what happens at that closing price 2970 75. Let's see what else we got on the I want to talk the ratings. There's some right. huge ones here this morning. Ooh. We only have 9 minutes before Alan Brock's going to come on. We're going to get down and dirty in the pot stocks, but there's a big rating call here this morning. A getting initiated at Citigroup as CrowdStrike. They initiated at a sell with a price target of 43 bucks. That's like 40% lower than where the stock closed on Friday at $60.27. This is getting whacked hard in the pre-markets, down almost 6% here now, all thanks to Citigroup. Um, the key level for this one's going to be eventually $51. I would not be buying this pullback for the simple reason that, yeah, some of these you know stocks have come back. This is one that really hasn't come back. Now you get a major call from an analyst with a sell. That could spook the market more. I wouldn't be surprised if there's more follow-through here. 
Um, stock has had basically almost had a two for one stock split since the end of August. So when you buy these high multiple stocks, when the growth starts to slow um, or the story starts to cool off, this is what happens. The stock's going to cut in half in a hurry here. I think we could eventually challenge the 51 again too. May hold. I think, you know, if I, if I was short, I would probably, you know, if it got down to 51, $52, I'd probably cover because I think you could bounce there the first time again, maybe have even the potential to form a W, but this is an ugly call from Citigroup here, a bold call from Citigroup here. And I don't know it, if I'm buying into it. I'm too scared to buy into this one. Timing, timing on this stuff, you know? I mean, the stock had, had a big decline. Then it's like, okay, we're going to rally. Sellers at 70 put an end to that. This is a pre-market chart that you really got to be leery. Just hanging off the pre-market low. Uh, pre-market low comes in at 56.28. You're just sitting here at 56.70. So usually with these, you know, when the stock's down, they get this bad rating. Pre-market, keep an eye. I mean, whatever that low is at 9.29 and 59 seconds, that doesn't hold. Sure doesn't look like it's going to hold now. Then the bottom falls out of this thing. What did you have? Your low. What was your October low? Uh, 51, an SEO time low, 51.61. Uh, so if it gets any kind of rally here, it opened up the high this morning. You're trading, uh, wow, 58.96. So that's where they started hitting that thing. It's two bucks away. I'm, a, I'm agreeing with Dennis in here. If you're, if you're waiting long term, see what happens at that well, story could turn around, but the story has cooled significantly here, and the Momo guys are not in here, and the value guys say, hey, this company doesn't make any money. I'm not coming in and paying $13 billion for a company that doesn't make money yet. So this is what I talk about is when you get the Momo guys saying no-no, and the value guys have been saying no-no the whole time, there's nobody buying, and that's when you see stocks fall significantly here. Momo story cools, chart starts to break down, and that's what it did when it was $80. I mean, if you were shorting it through that breakdown and looking back at the beginning of September uh, when the stock broke down and had the ugly day and broke down through that 80 support back on September 6th, you took no heat. And the stock went straight down. It did rally up and obviously, you know, give me another shot to sell it near 70 there just five days ago here. But now it's cooled off again. Uh, the cybersecurity story has cooled and I just can't get involved with it. Um, not at these valuations. And secondly, not until the momentum traders start to come back in. If it ever started to show some life, get back up over 70, then it gets interesting here again. But as of right now, um, I think the story still remains cold. I mean, we, we, we talk about uh, overhead supply, right? And when people- get, All kinds of people yeah, caught in this. Yep. And so the, the runs up the second time, I mean, Roku is doing some work. It's got a nice move off the low. I think maybe we were leaning the wrong way in that one. Sellers came into that one. You have, uh, you know, the long-term people that are uh, stuck on things. Then you have the short. I mean, how many people thought they got caught a bottom here in CrowdStrike? You know, we're going to. They did, but I think it's going to be another. I think it's going to challenge <laughs> it again. And there could be a, a <laughs> it could take that out. Yeah. All right. Let's Bold talk. call from an analyst. You don't see Citigroup coming with sales very often. They're coming out with two of them today, though. The other <laughs> stock they are downgrading to a sell is Ameritrade. Ameritrade getting downgraded to sell at. Citigroup here this morning. Stock is trading down two and a half percent in the pre-market. These retail brokers, some of them came back from those lows. Um, not quite as far as Ameritrade, but look at the E-Trade chart, ETFC. I mean, here's a stock that really got whacked for good reason. I mean, they lost a significant portion of the revenues, obviously, when commissions go to zero. We know they make money from other things as well, but they're not going to be making from that anymore. It's funny how these things trade technical. It breaks down, I'm looking at ETFC, breaks down from 44 
all the way down to 35, comes back up and kisses over 40. That's kind of where you had the support in August and September. I think it could fail there. I actually like E-Trade for a short here. Uh, and what did you have? You had about a five-point move there, two and a half, 37 and a half. You're trading below that. The 50%. Yep, yep. All lines up. Ducks are in a row on this one. I like the, so setting up a trade for you guys. Shorting, if you could get this thing like 3920, it's probably gonna be down because of the Amira trade, but you could get it at 3910, 3920, 3930. Stop yourself out at the 4015. So maybe risking a buck, saying, I think this thing could continue to leak or there could be more downgrades coming. I don't think the story, you know, to the downside is over here yet. I don't think they're coming right back and going to $44. It doesn't make any fundamental sense for this to go back to $44. You're paying $44 for it when they had commissions. Now they don't have it. You're going to go pay almost the same price. So I like it. I like it for a short here. Sorry, E-Trade listeners or E-Trade holders, but I like the stock for a short here. That would be my trade. Short 39, say 20, 39.15 if you can get it today. Stopping out if it makes a new high on the move above 40.15. I always have an out. How long is it going to take before we actually know the, the true effect of this non-commissions, right? Because A couple quarters, out. maybe. Maybe yep. next quarter we're going to see something. And we are going to get Schwab reporting tomorrow, which will be interesting. But remember, Schwab has obviously the retail brokerage side, but they have so many other businesses. That's probably why they were the ones to rock the boat here, because they're not as dependent on the retail trader. They have the whole institutional side, which is their major business. So I think, you know, it's, it's a much smaller portion of their, their retail side than, you know, it is for E-Trade or Ameritrade. And you could look at these, if you're looking at these brokers for Schwab, uh, for example, you had uh, the low of the move in Schwab at 34 and a half. You had a nice, how high did you get on Friday? 34 and a half. Let's call it three point move, buck and a half, uh, 36. That's my area of interest in here. You have a, a two day low at 35.99. So. They haven't hit it yet. If you're looking to pick this up on the cheap, you think this is a rally for good, or this is a little little pullback, uh, trying to buy it on the cheap at 36, that'd be a, a 50% retracement. So we did Schwab and Meritrade. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about this before we go to break. Real quick, uh, Warren Jeezy in the chat, your long listener from California. He says he's a young guy, but he woke up early to listen to the show. So we, he wants to know about the house of mouse here, Dennis. And uh, for full disclosure, I've been tangling with this thing on the on the downside. I'm waiting for it to... Mutual on opposite sides on uh, this. You know what? It has. A, it, I put in the long-term retirement account. I put it in there too high. And I, I got nervous and sold half. I got almost right at the high at 140. I should have sold it all. When I was nervous, I should have just sold it all, but I wanted to hold a piece. I do intend to buy some more Disney. I don't think it's time yet. I think the story has cooled off. And I'm actually concerned that this thing could get into the gap area and yeah. then go down off significantly here. So uh, talking a little bit against my long-term retirement account, but I don't like it from the long side here right now. I'm going to hold on to those long-term shares, though, because I still believe in the long-term story. But as a short-term trade, I wouldn't want to be long it. Uh, 127.5, if you're looking at a long-time level there, you had two lows at 27.57. 2754 call that whole area 12750 so if you're trying along here at 130 holding up pretty relatively well here in a down market uh there's your out 12750 you start to get into the gap area uh big rally on friday 13099 i don't know if you had a seller there at 131 uh but that's what stopped it but that's what i'm looking at 127 and a half that's the big level here in the house of mouse. Okay, Chris, are we going to take a break? We got Alan. 
Are we bringing in Alan? Do we have Alan hot? Alan? Oh, he's on mute. We got to unmute him. I can see him on mute. Can you hear me? Now we got him now. Yeah. Alan, yeah. how you doing? I'm doing all right. Y'all picked a good day for me. Columbus Day in Canada closed. <laughs> yeah, all these pot stocks on the Canadian exchanges are, cl are closed. But we're going to jump into But first, Alan, I got a joke. I got a pot stock joke for you here. So I don't know. Maybe you've heard this one before, but I, it's from my friend, Lely. Told it to me on the weekend. I said, I'm going to tell this one on the show, especially for Alan Brockstein. So how do you make money trading cannabis stocks? I haven't figured that one out. Uh, <laughs> you, you buy high and you sell higher. Oh, there you go. <laughs> That's the one-liner joke. That was my camera. So I, I got a kick out of that one, though. So I had to tell Alan Brockstein that joke. So thanks, Lily, for that joke. Um, Alan. The stock is sector here. The pot stocks have not been pretty here. I mean, obviously, competition has been an issue there. We've talked about that with you before. What are your thoughts here? Because, I mean, if you wanted to get these things on the cheap, a lot of them are pretty cheap here right now. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, this has been a pretty disappointing year. You know, we came into the year uh, with a huge downturn in 4Q that was supply-driven. And uh, then we had that big rally in Q1, kind of with the rest of the market, right? And then it was all downhill. And, uh, you know, a lot of it was, uh, you know, you can understand it, the CanTrust debacle, Bruce Linton being suddenly fired, and, you know, a few other small issues like California. I mean, that's not a small issue, but n nothing like sudden, but California has been very disappointing. And then we had this vaping crisis. And, uh, you know, at first it came out and, and it wasn't really clear that it would have any impact on, on the cannabis sector, but it, uh, <clears throat> you had Massachusetts put a... Uh, four-month ban on selling vape products and all of a sudden people realized that there's a problem and so it's caused a panic people are grabbing money uh we've seen some uh deals done at very low prices and at the same time canada looks like it's getting even worse everybody's been very excited about what they call cannabis 2.0 mm -hmm. and uh it's just not clear it's going to be that exciting uh, everything in canada has been disappointing honestly it's, it's always worse than we expect and uh canada's been very slow to uh, open up retail stores. That's been a huge problem. And the uh, producers in Canada have, have not scaled up very well. There's only, uh, I don't even want to say it's a handful. It's a couple of fingers worth of companies that I would say have been able to, you know, rapidly increase their revenue and not just lose money hand over fist. And that's really the problem. And tomorrow, I know uh, you live near there and we talk about Afria a lot. I think tomorrow could be a disaster. Uh, Fria reports Q1 and Q4. I mean, I'll, I'll just say it. I think they really, uh, I hate to use the word lie, but the way they presented their earnings was just downright wrong. Uh, the last they, earnings report? The last of Fria report. You know, they said they made a profit. And in their uh, press release, they didn't really talk about it. If you read the filings, they were honest. But in their press release, they didn't, they didn't really talk about the truth, which was the quote-unquote profit was due to an accounting issue and that's it. Wow. And so I think tomorrow, you know, unfortunately, uh, so they just announced, uh, well, I guess their uh, 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 demand partner, they were supposed to be supplying Emblem, which was acquired by Alifia with uh, a lot of cannabis and they couldn't even do it. So there's like a dispute over that and Alifia saying, uh, we're, you know, we want our money back. Because uh, they paid a free a deposit, uh, something you know, something I don't know if it was a deposit or just a payment. I think it was a payment uh, to do the supply deal. And so, I think uh, 
you know, last week we had the shock of uh, Hexo. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so I want to get to a bigger point. I talked about it in, in the New Cannabis Ventures newsletter this week. The uh, We've seen a lot of like highly touted executives. This has been a big theme. All these people coming into the cannabis industry from outside. Uh, Medmen, for example, had this guy. He was involved in high level at uh, Apple and some other retailers. This guy, Michael Monahan, who had just come in as a CFO, without me saying how great these people are. I, I don't know how great they are, but I can tell you the companies were out there telling investors, look at us. We've got this hot shot CFO. These guys are checking out sometimes at midnight. It's crazy. Uh, uh, and so, um, you know, there, there's another company, Harvest. This is what I wrote about this weekend. These, these were the three examples of executives that have just checked out quickly without really a good explanation. It's always spending time with your family. Come on, really? Yeah. And so, uh, you know, Nafria's had a lot of turnovers. Uh, you know, they, they basically thrown everybody out except the CFO. And there was a highly... Uh, uh, touted guy there, uh, and I'm forgetting his name, but he worked at Diageo, and there are all these rumors that Diageo sent him to Afria to, uh, uh, you know, kind of scope it out. And then you have all the, the stuff going on at Canopy Growth. They just brought in the, the head of, uh, I'm sorry, the CFO of, of Constellation to be the chairman. So, you know, it seems to me that these people that really know what's going on don't have a lot of confidence right now uh, in, in it's, uh, it's a kind of scary environment, but I, I got to tell you, I've been following the space for now uh, six and a half years, almost seven years. It's been uh, literally six years since we launched 420 Investor, and I've never been more excited. This, what's going on right now in the market is, uh, I think, more technical than fundamental. I, I am a little bit concerned with some companies, especially the largest ones with large market caps and just haven't demonstrated that they can scale up yet, but let's just go south of the border. Some of these companies are just really scaling up rapidly. And unfortunately, this capital crunch may slow things down a little bit. Uh, I've spent a lot of time in the last couple of weeks trying to share with my subscribers at 420 Investor the names of, of the companies that I think can, can actually thrive in this environment. And maybe they won't uh, have exactly as much revenue immediately because they may have to slow down their expansion a little bit. But we have, you know, there's a few companies that are uh, right at cash flow break even that have, have adequate uh, capital to really uh, take market share over time. Because some of these other companies, uh, I don't know if they'll go out of business, but they are going to have to really retrench. We just saw a big merger that was canceled, uh, Pharmacan and Medmen. So that's the kind of environment we're in. Uh, I think it's, it's a tough a, environment, but like you were saying, life. this offers yeah. opportunity maybe to find that diamond in the rough. So you so. have a, do you have a couple of names? Are these trade or are they private companies, these ones in the U.S. that you're talking about? No, no, they're public. But uh, I mean, I, I'll, I'll give you a great example in just a second. But sure. I, I want to say I, I know you're a very technical driven person and you obviously keep your pulse on the fundamentals. Yeah. And uh, so, the, you know, the fundamental story in the United States remains strong. And, you know, the biggest threat that I always think of is, you know, just stopping this freight train that we that started uh, seven years ago when the voters uh, in uh, Colorado and Washington voted, and five years, or I guess six years ago when uh, Colorado actually went legal. And, you know, this whole Donald Trump impeachment thing, if it leads to President Pence either immediately or in the next election cycle, that is a, that's a freight train stopper maybe. So, 
nobody's talking about that. I don't think that's the problem right now. But so if this is just a technical thing, you know, we're moving into tax loss selling season. There's a lot of supply issues in the, in the cannabis sector still, I would say. Uh, so, you know, you guys should be thinking about this as a U, not a V bottom. Whereas we got a V bottom right at the calendar flip last year uh, mm -hmm. in, in the market. I mean, the market imploded in Q4 and it went up 50% in uh, Q1. And that was all she wrote. So to answer your question, here's a great example. And I'm not saying to buy it necessarily. I'm watching it closely. I have a small position in one of my model portfolios. Uh, well, a reasonable size one, but TrueLeave. And so, you know, investors What's the symbol need, on TrueLeave? So in, the, in Canada, it's T-R-U-L. In yep. the United States, it's T-C-N-N-F, T-C-N-N-F. And so, you know, to, to me, and this is not a client of mine, uh, and I have a lot of respect for what... Uh, uh, Mrs. Rivers has done, uh, I guess she's a Ms. Rivers, her husband has a different name. She uh, uh, has taken a different tact. I mean, I think uh, both in Canada and in the United States, there's been this fallacy that you need to build an empire at all costs, you know, drive your Maserati at 180 or whatever. And uh, TrueLeaf has taken, Kim Rivers has taken a different tact, very focused on capital allocation, slow growth. And so just to get to the point, this is one of several companies, uh, and not my favorite, by the way, but I think it, it illustrates the point the best, that some companies have what I call gas in the tank. And these guys are one of the very few companies that not only are they profitable, they're very profitable. Now, there's a big asterisk next to it. They've done extremely well in Florida, and uh, Florida has, has, has been a great market. I would say it's probably realistic to say it's about as good as it can get because there's caps on how many dispensaries you can have and they're approaching theirs. They actually have a slightly higher cap due to a lawsuit. But so they're, you know, if you're a rear view investor, you love the numbers here. If you're a, a, a looking at your windshield, you got to be a little bit cautious. And so they haven't built an empire. They've gone very uh, judiciously into a few other states, kind of like, a baby, you know, the pinky toe, not even the, the, the big toe into the water. Uh, California uh, being an example, they have a, uh, a project in Massachusetts that'll come online next year that could be more interesting. But it, these will never model like Florida. Their gross margins have been high. Their market share has been 70%, something crazy like that. Uh, they've done a great job. Uh, and I don't want to get into it too much, but I wanted to share that with your audience because there's an example of a company that it'll be very hard for this capital crunch to wipe them out. There's a few others as well. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll leave it to everybody else to figure that out. They can subscribe to 420 Investor. Sure. If you yeah. know the We're on the line with Alan Brockstein. He's the author of the 420 Investor Letter and founding partner of New Cannabis Ventures, uh, marking about one year of the legalization of pot in Canada here. You just briefly mentioned phase two. So you're, you're looking at this to be more of an incremental thing. You don't expect the big jump. Comment on that. And then yeah. I'm also stuck in a dog here. Uh, LQSIF here. I it's not a dog. I, not I like dog? that okay. one. All right. Tell me about it. Tell me about uh, this phase two here. Yeah. Tell me why I should stick with my LQ. Yeah. I have some of that, uh, Alcana. So uh, uh, it almost sounds like your last name, right? If you say it really fast. Oh, oh, that's why Joel likes it. Yeah, exactly. You didn't <laughs> even know that. Uh, well, let me answer the first question first, because 
So, so Canada's rollout of legalization has been hampered by a number of things. Number one, first and foremost, they made a major error in the way they legalized. They should have opened up medical dispensaries first and gotten that distribution out there. Instead, they waited until it was fully legal and then they, uh, each province did it differently. And so you have a situation right now where there just isn't enough, there aren't enough retail stores. And, uh, you know, part of this is, is Canada, big picture Canada, part of it's provincial. If you look at Ontario, the largest province, you had Doug Ford come in and really mess things up. And so uh, this has been a big problem because you're basically trying to, to, to do two things. You're trying to get people who would like to use cannabis but haven't because it's been illegal to use it. And you'd like to get uh, the, the people that have been using it illegally. These are these two different markets, two different approaches but let's just focus on all the people out there that uh, haven't used cannabis uh, in a long time because it's illegal. Maybe they used it in college and they're saying, I'm not taking that risk and I'm not going to use it now. I'd like to. They can't really find it. It's, there's, you know, if you look at Colorado, there's like 500 dispensaries for 5.7 million. Ontario has like 14 million people. And, you know, for a while it only had like 20 dispensaries. Crazy. So this has been the number one problem. And it's been very slow to be addressed. And a second problem has been, you know, if you look at what people, how people consume cannabis, you know, back in the day, there was really only one way. You put it in a bong or rolled it up, whatever, you smoked it. And uh, there were some other ways, but that was really the, how it was accessed by most people. Well, these days it's very different. And you have branded products that are like vape pens and edibles. And this is what people want. And this is what the black market or the illicit market sells. And these haven't been permitted and they're about to be. Uh, so that's good. But part of the problem, and it goes not only to this, but also back to the flower and all that, the packaging and the advertising and all that, super restrictive. So it's almost like the people that designed this program are being paid off. I'm sure they're not. I'm just making a joke kind of, but they're being paid off by the black market to just make it as bad as it can be. So this cannabis 2.0, you had things like Quebec, say no chocolates because that's going to be appealing to kids and that's a big part of the edible category so you have this i think that's the second largest province right or third second or third largest province and they're saying no chocolates and so uh you have companies that are betting on drinks because drinks are permitted or will be permitted there's no market in the united states that has ever had substantial sales come from drinks it's just not a, a form factor that's cost effective or that really is what people want. I mean, it could be over time with technology changes. So, um, you know, this cannabis 2.0, uh, I think uh, mid-December is when the products will start to come out really in earnest, I would say after uh, the new year. And, and it'll be good. I mean, it's definitely a step in the right direction. So on Alcana, Joel, to get to your point, they are all set to rule in Ontario. So we need some changes in Ontario. They're doing fine. They got a great store in Ontario, by the way. I went there on opening day. Uh, but, uh, you know, this, is, this stock's a hybrid. It's, it's an alcohol turnaround story very tied to Alberta. Oil prices have been weak recently. So I think that may be a little bit of an issue. Uh, but the bigger, from my perspective, from the cannabis angle, Alcana is just kind of waiting until they can do more in Ontario. And there are, there is some discussion that they're going to really open up the market next year. But until that happens, Alcana just has to sit and wait. And uh, 
So what's going to drive it is anticipation of, of Ontario liberalizing its distribution. Uh, they have added some stores in, uh, in Alberta, <clears throat> but it's, it's really a wait and see thing. So uh, I actually like, and I, I want to disclose it's a client of ours, uh, another similar company called Fire and Flower. It's a pure play. It was designed to be a cannabis retailer. And the reason I want to highlight it is I, I find it quite fascinating uh, this deal they did with Kush Tard, uh, the C-Store company. And it's not just for Canada, it's a global opportunity. And they're, they got, I think, 25 million Canadian uh, to uh, right into their coffers immediately. But there's a warrant structure so that as they build out and, and develop, the stock price has to go up because the warrants are all, you know, a little bit higher and a lot higher. But over time, uh, Kush Tard's going to take over this company. It's, it's, it's all in writing, you know, these warrants will give it control of the company. And uh, this one's pretty interesting. Uh, they are really big in Alberta, like Alcana, they're kind of waiting on, uh, on Ontario rules to liberalize. Uh, that's for sure. And I think they're in, they just got into Saskatchewan as well. We've been on the line with Alan Brockstein. He's the author of the 420 Investor Letter and founding partner of New Cannabis Ventures. Always joining us with some great information. Thanks a lot, Alan. We'll be speaking hey, to you soon. Can I say one more thing? Yeah, sure, for sure. Of course you can. Uh, for all, all the people that are uh, in Chicago or near Chicago, a great opportunity next week to go uh, meet some of the leading companies at the Benzinga uh, Capital Cannabis Conference in Chicago. All right. Thank you. We'll always let you promote one of our events, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, thank guys. Thank you so much. All right. Hey, uh, Lincoln here, S&P Futures down 8.75, 29.62, off the pre-market low, 53.75. My target area here on this Columbus Day session on the downside, a lot of people would like to see Friday's low, 29.41.75. That's my target here. On the downside, Triple D, we started to get into the ratings and yeah. then we had Alan on. So where do you want? Yeah, you, you buy. Well, we can go on the ratings for a few moments, and I'll give you some imbalance at the end there too. But you've got a couple other big ones here. So we talked CrowdStrike, the Ameritrade from Citigroup here. Um, you're getting an upgrade at Nike. Um, oh. Nike is getting upgraded. Who upgraded them? I forget. Now. Bank Who of America. Went? Bank of America upgrading Nike to a buy, I believe. No, no, just to neutral. So this is underperformed. They were obviously wrong. They're going up to neutral here now. JV Spec pointing out that there's some big size in the book. We always like it when we can find these levels with big size. So Nike, if I'm looking at it as well, yes, 160,000 shares at $95. That is huge. So I highly doubt it's going to open over 95. Could be a tractor beam setup, though, that we just talked about. So it's getting up to 94.89, 94.90. Then you start thinking, well, maybe it can get sucked in. If it trades there for a couple of minutes, a five minutes, 10 minutes, and start to slowly go up at it, you eventually think it might take that 95 out. And then you could get that big, you know, little short, short-term short squeeze where it could go 95 and then boom, it's a 95 and a half and a blink of an eye because too many people leaning on it. So I think it might take out the 95 there today, mm. uh, but that's going to be a big level for it. It's going to take a lot of money to get through it. 94.57 was your high on Friday. All-time high comes in at 94.75. You <coughs> tell there's been sellers leaking up there before. Um, on the downside, your all-time closing high came in on Friday at 93.88. So if you're trying to get this, you know, if you're trying an early short, it sweeps under the uh, under 94. Look at support at 93.88, which was close 
to the law. I mean, this uh, this upgrade, re- are, you know, it just doesn't really do much for me here. After this kind of run, you're coming here. And, and they're coming into neutral. So this is just like we were wrong and we're coming into chasing it up. But, I mean, you can't argue with the strength. This is close to all-time highs. Yeah, very, very close. So uh, this, you know, you start to think at $95, eventually takes that out. You're going to see Nike eventually in triple digits. So I'm actually more of a buyer of Nike than a seller. Um, I, I So I think this is an upgrade that could push it through that 95, and then it starts yeah. to open up a little bit more. If I was in the lunch bet move, I, I would I would say it's not. It's just too close to, to make it. I mean, it's getting a little bit of a running start, probably whatever. Short. May not take it out today. Yeah. Upgrade. It was upgrade to buy. It's upgraded yeah. to neutral, so that's not as good, obviously. And, you know, I rank these ratings. I trade them all, and, you know, you get a feel for it. And, obviously, when you see it go to neutral, you're like, wow, that's not really conviction buy here. Like, you know, on some of these other stocks that we were talking this morning, when you get a conviction sell on CrowdStrike, it's like, ooh, that's a big call. You get some follow-through. And we have some conviction buys this morning. We do have, and let's just go over to a couple of these line links, getting upgraded yep. to buy at Namira here this morning. XLNX is trading up 2.5% here in the pre-market. It's a stock that has been in the gutter for a while. I think it's going to challenge 100 bucks today. So we're at 98.06 in the pre-market here. There's room to 100. I want to see what it does at 100 because 100 is going to be big for this. That's where you got. That's where when you gap down, you just kiss up to 99.93 back on September 20th. So I'm going to say 100 bucks remains major resistance, psychological level, but I think it can test it today. Uh, I believe there were changes in the C-suite there that uh, instigated that gap down move there. So there you go. Uh, the high, high on that day was 99.93. Four-buck gap in the 103.27. So if we see if we get a, uh, a shot at that area today. Uh, Western Digital. What else on Western Digital? I messed that up. So I bought this thing with Sean Udall. Sean Udall, good call on this one. Um, I think we both bought almost the same day, around 36 bucks. And I sold half of it around 45 because it came back very, I mean, it was a week and a half later and I was already up 30%. I was like, well, don't look at, what do you say? Don't look at gift force in the mouth. Is that what, is that the saying, Joel? Am I messing it up? Yes, it's correct. Yeah. That's the horse thing with Joel, obviously. And then I sold the rest of it. I think when it broke out like 52 or 53, it ended up going to $65 and still 59. So obviously I should have held on to those shares. I bought 35 because I would have had almost a double on my hands. Uh, in a short period of time, really. I mean, I bought this thing for the first time back in the summer. And obviously, you can see where I bought it and I got lucky enough to get the lows. And why I bought that was obviously because the stock had come down and I thought the double bottom might hold and it did. And I, you know, didn't think the story was completely broken there. It could get hot again. I like the dividend that it was giving me at the time. I believe it was 5.5%. It's now only 3.37% because the stock's come up so far. But still like the stock. I just wish it would get back down to the 50 so I could rebuy it. Now, not sure on this one because you had a nice move, then you had the decline. Now you're coming back. That 50% retracement area is going to come right in at 16 and a half. And you had a high on October 1st, your monthly high so far at 61.11. So, be, I mean, before you, you want to prove to me you're going back over 64, you're going to have to do some work there at, uh, this is called 61. 61.11 was your October 1st high. We'll see when we get into earnings season too with the chips. I mean, it's obviously going to dictate as well. So as we start earnings season, I think the chips are more in the middle of the earnings season though. So they're probably still a month away, but um, earnings are going to start to dictate with the moves here going forward because we've got some big ones coming up. One stock we did not talk about, I do want to talk about it is Netflix. It is going to report on Wednesday night. NFLX is actually trading down slightly in the pre-market. Multiple commentary. BMO was defending it here this morning. 
They reiterated their buy and their 440 price target, saying the streaming wars thing is not as much of a war as everybody's kind of acting. That's kind of I'm just you know, summarizing what you know, what I read. Yep. But um, there was other analyst commentary as well. It's trading flat. It had a great day the other day. Um, I believe it was downgraded and then it just ripped up. So you know what? It it plays from a tactical basis. It actually looks better from the long side here right now because of that candle from two days ago. So I think you got a few people maybe caught short and it could be some more squeezing. I could see this eventually squeezing the 300. So, you know, I still have, and I still am going to say, I think this is going to be under $200. I said one year from now, I said this one was about 320 and that was two months ago. So I have 10 months to get under my $200 price target, but I think short term, this could squeeze to 300. Ah, uh, I don't know if you're going to see. I'm not buying it though, right, because I'm still bearish it. the stock, Let's but there's that. room. If, I'd love it to get to, let's put it this way. I'd love it to get to 300 to put a short on. Okay. 287.87. That was your high on Friday. You're trading in the red here now. So back at five points off that that high. I don't even think you're going to challenge uh, Friday's high in this thing off the analyst move. But uh, we'll see what happens in today's session. So we're going to wrap things up here for this uh, Columbus Day Canadian Thanksgiving. Uh, we uh, had Chris Deerski. Dear Scully. I was call you Chris. Chris. That's a tough last name. It is. Dyer Scalise. I have a tough last name too, but it's easy to pronounce. Yes. <laughs> and uh, it's been a great show. Big shout out to Alan Brockstein who uh, joined us here and talked about the uh, the uh, the pot stocks, a sector everyone likes to talk about. On tomorrow's show, uh, we're going to be joined by uh, Ryan Dietrich. He's an analyst for LPL Partners. Good statistics, good information. Yep him so we'll be talking to ryan spencer's out till uh i believe he's out tuesday and wednesday he'll be back on thursday with us folks thanks for uh joining us i'm gonna uh, go home and take a nap here from my big weekend <laughs> congratulations to dana and garrett once again yeah it was fun thanks for participating folks thanks for participating in the show we'll be back with you tomorrow morning Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.